Welcome and bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Cyrano the Musical. There are 50 score varieties of insult you could find. The lyrical, satirical, commercial, controversial, and quite frequently the kind, kind. Wait, no, no, I'm sorry, Penny, if we could stop. That's the, that's a different, I'm sorry, that's a different Cyrano musical. I apologize, I gave you the wrong audio. So this is, this is the clip that we should be playing. Wonderful. Okay, so I'm gonna just go from and this week. And this week we'll be discussing Cyrano the musical. I am a force, a source of light. I shine too bright for mere mortals, and in time. Fuck no! I'm sorry. That's Jesus Christ. That's the. That's a. That's another. That's another Cyrano musical. Um, if I could, yeah, uh, yeah, Benny. This should be the correct audio. So if we, I'm just gonna do. Let's do it again. Take three. And this week we'll be discussing Cyrano the musical. Fuck! No! No, 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 no. Sorry, that's... That's another, that's another Cyrano musical. This, okay, I'm going to just... Okay, I'm actively, you you can't hear it on my end, but I know I just, I just listened to this. This is the, this is the clip that we need to be playing. Benny, you have the patience of a saint. I don't know how you put up with me. I... <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't you say no, 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 no. It's not on you. It's absolutely not on you. I won't. I refuse to let you take that on. Okay, so, and this week, we'll be discussing Cyrano the Musical. Sniffer or snout, smeller or spout, yet of those you've chosen knows. <laughs> Nozzle or conk, schnozzle or honk, yet of those you've chosen knows. Call it a bugle or beak. I call it a mountainous beak. But don't you dare to tweak my itcher or twitcher, proboscis or prow. Poets might even have called it a plow. Snore or bore or odor explorer. It's lame or veined so it glows. Okay, all right. Oh, boy. Oh, we do not usually have to go through all of that razzle-dazzle mumbo-jumbo nonsense, but we came out to the other side all the better for it. (laughs) I don't know. How are we doing? That's the question that we always begin with. How are we doing? I hope this episode of The Musical Man finds you well. I want to address a couple of points here. I can't believe we are on the other side of that. That was a nightmare. (laughs) But we're here on the opening segment, and I have a couple of news items that I want to address. First and foremost, the subject of one of our bonus episodes on the Patreon feed, Diana. Diana is set to close on Broadway on December 19th, and it will have played a total of 33 performances at the time of its closure, and I am sort of astonished. I honestly thought that Diana would not run for a very long time, but I certainly thought it would run longer than 33 performances. Performances. My goodness gracious. I have a feeling that the Netflix video capture of that production really ate into any interest that ticket buyers might have had in that show. My feeling is when you fucking record the show and you put it on Netflix and you reveal to the world that your score is generic, if not outright embarrassing, the acting is banal. When you reveal that to the world, why at that point would ticket buyers, Torres, 
tourists, New York City natives, why would anyone bother to put up major coin for a ticket to see it live? That doesn't make any fucking sense. We know, we know what this show looks like from fucking A to Z. You can't give the cow and the milk away for free and then expect everyone to pay for it after the fact. It's very cynical. And I'll tell you what else is cynical. Well, I want to say this. I want to start with a compliment because the December 9th American theater piece by Christian Lewis, which goes under the headline, Gender and Sexuality on Broadway, You Oughta Know Better. That article is fantastic. It examines gender and sexuality issues that are running through shows like Jagged, Little Pill, the recent Company Revival, and Doubtfire. And that was my favorite part of the piece, the examination of Doubtfire. Apparently, there is a moment in this musical, the adaptation of the 90s comedy, Mrs. Doubtfire, where the main character is trying to figure out what point of reference he should be pulling from when adopting this drag persona of his. And at that point, female members of the ensemble come out dressed as Donna Summer, Princess Diana, Cher, Jackie, Kennedy, Onassis, and Grace Kelly. And we're supposed to see them as the definition of feminine beauty. These are women. Beautiful women. They are the spectrum of beauty that we should all be aspiring to. Beauty, beauty, beauty. And the main character of this show says, wait, 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 wait. I don't think we need to be aspiring to their level of beauty because look at me. I'm a gross, ugly guy. I should be trying to, you know, have reasonable expectations when it comes to what I can pull off in drag. And at that point, male ensemble members come out dressed as Wait for it, Janet Reno, Julia Child, Margaret Thatcher, and Eleanor Roosevelt. You know, the hogs of history, the complete dogs of history. Ugly, ugly, mannish, brutish, butch women who all oh, we love to laugh at them because they could never hope to be nearly as beautiful as Donna Summer, Princess Diana, Cher, no way, Grace Kelly, oh, Janet Reno. Fuck you, you hideous beast. You could never be as beautiful as Grace Kelly. Ah, yes, the main character of our show should aspire to this level of, ooh, this hairy sort of cave person type. Ooh, ah, how could you even describe them as women? They're barely women, my God! How disgusting they are to our, our sensibilities. And the audience, according to Christian Lewis, the writer of this piece, the audience was roaring in the face of these jokes. And I just have to say, fuck you! I, I, I especially cannot believe that Julia Child is being thrown under the bus. I mean, we none of these women, I should say, none of these women deserve to be thrown under the bus. But I love the fact that Julia Child, of all people, it's like, fuck! Fuck you, Julia Child, you ugly goddamn cow. You're fucking ugly, and we're gonna make that on the record. We're gonna put that on the record. Goddamn you, you're so fucking ugly. The only way that you could ever pass is if you told me that a fucking man was wearing a wig. Oh, fuck you. Fuck this transphobic bullshit. I can't believe we had to put up with Tootsie. We're putting up with Doubtfire, and the next year we're gonna have to put up with Some Like It Hot. And you know, I mean, it's Yazbek, who knows? Yazbek may be able to find something within that that affords some level of fucking subtlety, a real conversation about what it means to explore the gender spectrum. What that means, I don't know. I, I doubt it. I highly doubt it at this point. Our obsession with, with laughing at men in dresses trying to get away with something. That's the most transphobic bullshit in the world, isn't it? Men who dress up as women 
like to try and get away with something. That's the most transphobic talking point, the most common talking point, I should say, in the fucking book. Oh, it's men. They want something. They want to get closer to children. They want to get closer to the women in their lives. They want money. They want power. They're trying to take advantage of the system. That's why they do it. That's why they're trying to bend the rules. Fuck you. Fuck you. All right, I'm done. I've said fuck about a thousand times in this opening segment. It's marked as explicit. This podcast is not for your children. My God, okay. Let's get to the show facts regarding this week's subject, Cyrano the Musical. Shall we? Show me the show facts. Okay, I will. Let's go. Cyrano was a 1994 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on November 21st, 1993 at the Neil Simon Theater and ran for 137 performances. The book was written by Kuhn Van Dyke. The music was written by Ad Van Dyke and the lyrics were written by Kuhn Van Dyke. Kuhn and Ad Van Dyke are not related, I should say. That is a distinction that should be made. Kuhn's original concept for the show, which would have been called Pseudonym, was a contemporary story about, quote, an invisible writer who delivered lyrics to someone on stage. Quote, a bit of a vague premise, admittedly, one that sounds suspiciously like the Phantom of the Opera, but in any case, that idea was abandoned in favor of a straightforward adaptation of Edmond Rostand's Cyrano de Bergerac. The show was originally written in Dutch for the Stads Schoolberg, or City Theater, in Amsterdam, where Cyrano first premiered in 1992. For the Broadway production, English lyrics were provided by Peter Reeves, and additional lyrics were written by none other than Sheldon Harnick of She Loves Me, Fiddler on the Roof, and The Rothschilds. Hello, Sheldon. The director of the original Broadway production of Cyrano the Musical was Eddie Habima. The musical director was Constantine Katsopoulos. Orchestrations were by Don Sebesky, and the choreographer, well, I could not, for the life of me, find a credited choreographer, which is crazy to me, because I can clearly tell, based on what I've seen on YouTube, that this production involved a fair amount of dance, and the only thing I was able to confirm was the dance captain, who was Tom Pullum. That's all. That's all I was able to find, unless I am missing something. It could be, oh, it could be staring me right in the face. It could be right under my nose, under my sewer knows it could be scenic design Paul Gallus, lighting design Renier Twebeek, sound design Roger Van Rossum, and the costume design was by Jan Tax. The original Broadway cast was as follows. We have Bill Van Dyke. Now, Bill is not related to Kuhn or Ad Van Dyke. That is a distinction we should make, and we have now made it, so let's move on. The rest of the cast was as follows. Jordan Bennett, Ed Dixon, Timothy Nolan, Anne Renolfson, Paul Schaffler, Paul Anthony Stewart, Elizabeth Acosta, Mark Agnes, Karina Anderson, Christopher Eaton Bailey, James Barbour, Jeffrey Blasdell, Michelle Dawson, Jeff Gardner, Daniel Guzman, Joy Hermalen, Bjorn Johnson, Peter Lockyer, Stuart Marland, Carrie O'Malley, Adam Pelty, Tom Pollum, hello again Tom, Michelle Ragusa, Sam Scalamoni, Robin Skye, Tommy Tapan, Anne Van Cleve, and Charles West. And as always, oh goodness, I apologize for mispronouncing any of those first or last names. 
Now, in terms of Tony nominations, the production was nominated for Best Musical, of course, but also Best Book of a Musical, Quinn Van Dyke, Best Original Score, Quinn Van Dyke, Ad Van Dyke, Peter Reeves and Sheldon Harnick, and Best Costume Design, Yan Tax. So, four nominations, unfortunately, zero awards when all was said and done. As I mentioned a moment ago, Cyrano the Musical serves as an adaptation of Edmund Rostand's Cyrano de Bergerac, an 1897 play loosely inspired by a French novelist and playwright of the same name. Rostand's play has been adapted dozens of times across every conceivable medium. With that in mind, this week's subject should not be confused for the following theatrical productions. Cyrano de Bergerac, an 1899 Broadway musical with music by Victor Herbert, lyrics by Harry B. Smith, and a book by Stuart Reed. Cyrano, a 1958 musical written by Richard Maltby Jr. and David Shire for the Yale Dramatic Association. Cyrano, a 1973 Broadway musical which starred Christopher Plummer and features music by Michael J. Lewis, lyrics by Anthony Burgess, and a book by Burgess. Cyrano de Bergerac, which premiered in Tokyo in 2009 and features music by Frank Wildhorn and lyrics by Leslie Bercuse. And finally, we have Cyrano, a 2018 off-Broadway musical which starred Peter Dinklage and features a book by Eric Schmidt and music and lyrics by Aaron Desner, Bryce Desner, Matt Berninger, and Karen Berninger of The National. Director Joe Wright's film version of this musical is set to premiere in the U.S. on January 21st of next year. But again, we are not talking about any of those Cyrano musicals, my friends. We are talking about Kuhn and Ad Van Dyke's Cyrano, the musical. Nuts to those other shows, I say. Nuts to them all. When it comes to the plot, I am going to provide to you a summary of the original 1897 play by Rostand, if that is okay with you. If it's not, I don't know what to tell you. We're doing it. Let's go. Paris, 1640. Cyrano de Bergerac, poet and leader of the esteemed cadets of Gascogne, has fallen madly in love with his cousin, Roxanne. Sadly, his bulbous nose prevents him from expressing this love as he considers himself to be ugly and unworthy of her. Cyrano is one of several eligible bachelors who desire Roxanne's attention, the Comte de Guiche has already promised the lady to his lackey, Valvere, and a dashing nobleman named Christian has been admiring her from afar. Christian attends a performance of the play La Cloracie with his friend Lenier. They are discussing Roxanne, who is also in attendance, when the evening is interrupted by Cyrano. Our hero recently forbade Montfleury, an actor, from ever appearing on stage, and when Montfleury dares to flaunt this order by performing in La Cloracie... <laughs> <laughs> Do you, can you tell that I'm having trouble? It inspires Cyrano to heckle him relentlessly. Montfleury, you piece of shit. What did I tell you about acting? Fuck you, Montfleury. A pack of aristocrats confront Cyrano over this audacious behavior, but fear not. Our hero beats them to a pulp while improvising a poem, and the skirmish ends with Valvere badly wounded. Roxanne asks to speak with Cyrano the following day, a request he heartily accepts. Upon meeting Roxanne at a pastry shop, Cyrano is crestfallen to discover she has fallen in love with Christian. The beautiful fellow has recently joined the cadets of Gascogne, 
and Roxanne begs Cyrano to look after him. Our hero, unwilling to disappoint his cousin, promises to do all he can. Moments later, Chris John insults Cyrano's nose in a misguided attempt to impress his fellow cadets. Under normal circumstances, Cyrano would simply kill his offender, but in this case, he embraces Chris John as a brother. Cyrano goes on to inform Christian of Roxanne's feelings, which leaves the ingenue in a state of shock. How could he ever hope to impress a woman as sophisticated as Roxanne? Our hero hits upon a brilliant scheme. Using Christian's name, Cyrano will produce a series of love letters that will stimulate Roxanne's mind and bewitch her senses, ooh-la-la. The plan goes off without a hitch until Christian decides he no longer needs help. The simple-minded himbo believes he can seduce Roxanne with his own words. Needless to say, Roxanne balks in the face of this gambit and promptly retires to her bedroom. Oh, where are the fine words to which I have become accustomed? Your banalities disgust me! Oh! Cyrano instructs Christian to stand under Roxanne's balcony and repeat everything he says, which allows them to bring her out of hiding. Concealed by the cover of night, Cyrano steals a kiss from Roxanne, who believes he is Christian. Shortly thereafter, Roxanne and Christian are married in secret, though the honeymoon is cut short. De Guiche wants nothing more than for Cyrano to die, and so he sends the cadets to engage with the Spanish on the field of war. Smash cut. Eris France. De Guiche declares the Spanish will attack within the hour. This portent of doom is made all the more troubling when Roxanne arrives, bearing a feast for the soldiers. Cyrano has continued to write to her under the guise of Christian, and she has grown desperate to see her husband again. Christian, having deduced Cyrano loves Roxanne, forces our hero to confess his feelings so she may choose between them. Cyrano does come quite close to bearing his soul, but the moment is shattered when Christian is struck by a bullet. The young man dies, and a distraught Roxanne is carried to safety by De Guiche. Filled with rage, Cyrano flies headfirst into battle. Huzzah! Fifteen years later, Roxanne is living in a convent where she is visited weekly by Cyrano. This tradition comes to an end when Cyrano is ambushed by his enemies and struck by a log. The log was pushed out of a window and onto his head. Bonk! It was a real Looney Tunes scenario. Cyrano's condition is relayed to Roxanne by two of his closest friends. <laughs> there is no getting around it, my dear. Cyrano is not long for this world. He could die if he so much as lifts his head from his pillow, wee wee. But wait, who is this at the gate? Why, it is Cyrano himself, battered yet resolute. He asks Roxanne if he may read Christian's final letter, and as darkness falls upon the scene, she comes to understand her cousin is not merely reading the letter, but reciting it from memory. My God, Cyrano is the man who conjured all of those captivating words. Roxanne embraces Cyrano while proclaiming her love for him, and our hero dies with a smile on his face. The end. I am sorry to report that a cast album for Cyrano the Musical was never produced, and the script is unavailable. 
available. So those were not viable sources for me when it came to my research. So for the purposes of this week's episode, I watched a 1994 Tony Awards clip package. That's the best way to describe this. It is not a performance. It is a clip package. Benny, can we play the audio from this segment? It's very, very short. It won't take any time at all. Let's hear it now. of Edmund Rostand's classic play Cyrano. The era of dashing swords play and romantic love was beautifully brought to the stage in story and song, accompanied by spectacular scenery and elegant costumes. Cyrano closed earlier this season, but continues to play in other venues around the world. The fourth nominated musical was a beautifully wrapped gift of songs from the pen of Rogers and Hammerstein. This passing acknowledgement is so cursory, it almost feels cruel, as if we are only referencing the show out of a legal obligation. Bill Van Dyke could have performed a solo, at the very least, I say this while assuming he was in America at the time, maybe he wasn't, buy him a plane ticket, put the nose on his face, have him go out there, come on, have a real person on stage singing a song, you nominated the show, didn't you? Figure it out. Much to my surprise, I did find another source online, and I am going to refer to this source as Live from Broadway, Cyrano the Musical. I don't know if that's how it would have been advertised, but for the purposes of this week's episode, we are going to go with Live from Broadway, Cyrano the Musical. This is quite obviously a promotional special made for television, though I have no idea where or when it aired. I could not figure that out. To make matters worse, the special has inexplicably been separated into 19 parts. 19 parts on YouTube. These parts, despite being carefully labeled, are clearly out of order and often recycle footage we have already seen in previous parts. Some parts are less than a minute long, while others are more than 10 minutes long. Why? Why? I gotta tell you, watching it was a complete pain in the ass. I had to make my own playlist. Ooh, it was a real, real slog. But don't get me wrong, I'm glad someone went to the trouble of preserving whatever this is, as it proved to be my only source for the English language score. But I have to ask, why not simply upload the program as a single video? What are we doing here? Are we are we afraid lawyers are going to show up on our doorstep? Oh, you've been served. Copyright infringement. No one cares. No one cares, okay? I should say that this, this TV special is hosted by Pat Collins. I'm not familiar with Pat Collins, I'm sorry to say, but her co-host is none other than Christopher Reeve, a.k.a. Superman. We all know. We all know we played Superman, and we will hear from them in a minute. We do want to focus on the score first. So, I have pulled a lot of audio from that TV special, and I would like to present to you an audio montage of all the examples of the score that I could find from that special. That's a very roundabout way of saying I pulled all of the audio that represented the score, and uh, we put it together, okay, as a montage. Benny, can we play that now, if you please? My love is still on. Child, 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 little tot, a tiny little what? The tot is frisky, tot of whiskey, frisky. The story is universal. Universal. 
balcony scene is uh, one of the key scenes in the, in the show. Watch him kiss Roxanne upon the lips. Christian was not the victor. It was I. Spoken. All is spoken. I said all the words that needed It's the poet, she is kissing, she kisses me. Thinking you can buy me? That I'm a beggar. Go ahead and try me, is my reply. I was always told I had a pie. Live like a man or... It's sheer endurance during this uh, production. You're just, you're never off the stage. One sweltering day, I was told by a lady whose fan wasn't cooling her fever. That's wagging my nose would relieve her. And the funny thing about it was... Spite me and bite me. Fighting is what I thrive on. Spurn me and scorn me. Your scorn is what I survive on. How can I sing her praises? I laugh. Writing of love, I'd be writing in vain. I can't make up songs like the birds. I like fencing with swords, not with words. If you weren't handsome at all, if you weren't handsome at all, even Olsen is has a wonderful combination of being a very good singer and a very good actress. to me is about somebody's soul. Paul Anthony Stewart is Christian. Anne Renofsen is Roxanne. They're passionate actors thrust together as the two tragic lovers in Cyrano the musical. Off stage, the attraction is mutual. He's a hunk. And Anne is a babe. That brief moment, yet, yet it will always last, impossible but true. Who knew it occurred? Who knew it occurred? Except for me. Roxanne is, is uh, I like to describe her as an emotional volcano. I saw your handsome face and fell in love at once. I'm sorry. It all occurred so fast, one 
Thank you so much, Benny. I can't believe you put up with me. All right, so side note. Oh, in regards to that montage you just heard, Paul Anthony Stewart, who plays Christian in this production, he refers to Anne Renolfson, his co-star, who plays Roxanne. He refers to her as a babe. Oh, she's a babe. That moment is so weird that we simply had to include it in the final edit of this montage. I don't know what kind of passing routine he's trying to pull there, but I did not buy it for a second. Oh, yeah, she's a babe. A babe? Come on. I know it's 1993, but I don't know. There's something iffy there. I think we're trying to distract from something. Oh, yeah, she's a total babe. I would say things like that in high school, in middle school. She's a total babe. I don't know. I didn't buy it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Paul, but I didn't buy it. I do want to give you a full breakdown of all of the tracks, the songs, I should say, from Acts 1 and 2 of Cyrano the Musical. In Act 1, we begin with prologue. We follow that up with opera, opera, aria, one fragment of a moment, confrontation, the duel. Where's all this anger coming from? Loving her. A message from Roxanne. Raganaw's patisserie. Roxanne's confession. What a reward. Hate me. Courage makes a man. Cyrano's story. A letter for Roxanne. I have no words. Two musketeers. An evening made for lovers. Balcony scene. Poetry, Moonsong, and Stay With Me. That's the Act 1 finale. Act 2 opens with Every Day, Every Night, and is followed by A White Sash. When I Write, Two Musketeers, Reprise, Reprise. Rhyming Menu, Even Then, Tell Her Now. The Evening, Even Then, Reprise, Reprise. The Battle, Everything You Wrote. He Loves to Make Us Laugh. A Visit from Degish. Opera, opera, reprise, reprise. And an old wound slash the letter slash moon song. All right? There. <laughs> you got some samples from the score. I just gave you the full rundown of it from beginning to end. But that's all I can offer you. I don't have anything else. They never produced a commercial cast album. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I can offer you this, though. I have selections. I pulled selections from Ben Brantley's New York Times review of Cyrano the Musical, which was published on November 22nd, 1993. Normally, we don't read from reviews, but I don't want this episode to be criminally short, and I do find Brantley's review to be revealing in certain ways, and so I offer these selections to you humbly. Quote, Credit the many people involved in turning Cyrano de Bergerac from a lyrical, swashbuckling French play into a Dutch musical, into a $7 million English language musical, with at least one success. Its plot is as easy to follow as a synopsis laid out in Cliff's Notes. 
Indeed, for all its technologically sophisticated sets and elaborately orchestrated score, Cyrano the Musical, which opened last night at the Neil Simon Theater, comes across as a lavishly illustrated study guide, with many helpful cipher-like characters in sumptuous historical costumes taking pains to explain who they are and what they're doing. It is not unusual for songs to include phrases like, but let me tell you what happened yesterday, or Roxanne, so you're still here. It must be seven years. Don't put too much blame on Bill Van Dyke, the Dutch actor who created the title part in the original version and stars again here. He is a likable and charming performer who sings in English with a clarion voice and unselfconscious fluency, but he lacks the titanic presence of a character who has created, through flamboyantly heroic words and gestures, an outsized aura commensurate to the size of his legendary nose. In his dueling scenes, Mr. Van Dyke is scrappy but curiously inept, and urging his fellow soldiers on to glory through death in the play's climactic battle scenes, he seems more like a spunky mascot than a charismatic leader. The writers have been unable to find a way of translating the bravura linguistic arias Rostand gave his title hero with any comparable flair. The most famous of them, in which Cyrano offers 19 stylistic variations on ways to make fun of his nose, here shrivels into a limp succession of rhymes. A snorer, or a borer, or an odor explorer, for example, that are hardly the stuff of verbal pyrotechnics. Most of the lyrics actually are simply functional, and as unquotable as recipes. Most of Cyrano's grand gestures, both physical and verbal, tend to get lost amid the truly spectacular multiple changes of Baroque-flavored scenery by Paul Gallus, often achieved with the gasp-inducing use of hydraulic lifts, and the successive ensemble scenes of crowds in opulent period costumes by Yan Tax. These grandiose set pieces keep coming at us so rapidly and dazzlingly that they don't really have a chance to establish their reason to be. And some of them, like an unbearably cute dancing nun sequence in the convent to which Roxanne has retired at the play's end, should have been scrapped long ago. Hans van Dyck's music, which recalls the mechanically propulsive score of Les Miserables, keeps the plot marching, marching, marching along at a military clip with suspicion suspenseful shadings of orchestral dissonance in the background. For the scenes involving the triangular love story, the music shifts into a romantic pop tunefulness that suggests the ballads from the Disney cartoon fantasies Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Miss Renolfson has a flexible voice that shifts with crowd-pleasing virtuosity between ethereal melodiousness and piercing big-moment resonance. She is a curiously stalwart Roxanne, more at home visiting the line of battle than in the misty tableaus that place her on a platform against a full moon, where she looks like Glenda the Good Witch in The Wizard of Oz. Quote, Hello, this is Jonathan again, the musical man. I do want to emphasize that Brantley refers to Glinda the Good Witch as Glenda the Good Witch. I don't know, I don't know how the editor missed that one. I don't know what was going on. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed those selections from the official New York Times review of Cyrano the Musical. That's all I have to offer you. I have to say it again. That's all I can give you in regards to this week's subject. And now it is 
it's time to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. Hello, hello, hello. It's me, Auntie Mame. Oh, I hope I'm not too late. I just stepped through a million dimensional portal so I could be with you here in my favorite dimension. My favorite reality, my favorite branch of the multiverse, whatever it is you want to call it. Hello, my nephews and nieces. My God, it's been so long. Oh, and I apologize. I apologize for my, my horrible appearance, but I, I'm still in the process of transforming into a humanoid figure that is acceptable to your human tastes, your human standards, your human expectations, whatever you want to call it. So I do apologize if you've been struck dumb by my expectations extraterrestrial appearance, my my one million eyes, my gigantic stalks that come out of my head. They're bigger than the Empire State Building. I have over eight billion teeth that glow with the white hot intensity of Milky Way stars. <laughs> but uh, slowly but surely, slowly but surely, I am turning into the anti-mame that you know and love. The anti-mame that loves to celebrate Christmas. Oh, we he needed a little Christmas at this very minute. I'm so sorry that I did not get to see you last Christmas. I was quarantining in my own dimension. I did not want to get sick. I did not want anyone else to get sick. And now I'm happy to say that I am vaccinated. I have my booster shot. I have my flu shot. And I am double masked. Now you, you would say that, but your mask is not over your 8 billion star teeth. Well, that's not really my mouth. There are no human words to describe the orifice that contains my teeth, but it's not my mouth. I will assure you that. You would never, I realize this now, you would never comprehend where my mouth is, what my mouth does. I'm an elder god from another dimension. We established that a long time ago, two Christmases ago. I am different from you. I must move on. I cannot explain myself to you. All you need to know is that I'm a hip auntie. I'm cool. I'm hip and cool. You know it's true. And I have a recipe for five, six, seven, eight coffee cake. Here's what you do. Go to the grocery store. Buy yourself a coffee cake. Ah, that's right. No baking for Christmas this year. No, no, no. There's too much going on. Buy the coffee cake. Make the grocery store do the work. Buy the coffee cake and pour a, a full container, a full pitcher of piping hot 5678 coffee all over that coffee cake. Oh, it's like syrup on a stack of flapjacks. Or it's like the bending, shifting carcass of the universe as it sheds its mortal vestigial tail. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ow, there. I'm officially humanoid. Am I acceptable to your standards? You seem a little freaked out. It's gonna be okay. It's anti. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put a little bit of cinnamon on your coffee cake. Just a little bit of cinnamon. 
just a little bit of centimeter. Oh God, I feel myself being pulled back to my dimension. Oh, oh I'm being ripped apart. Oh, it's giving me an orgasm. Okay, Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. I know some of my nephews and nieces don't celebrate, which is perfectly fine, but I wish you all safety and merriment in the new year. I'll see you next time. <laughs> yes, that I can promise you. Next Christmas, we will get together again. Auntie Mame is always watching. Auntie Mame is always listening. <laughs> oh, God! Final thoughts regarding Cyrano the Musical. Based on what very little I have heard, the very little I have heard, Cyrano the Musical seems highly derivative of shows like The Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables, as Ben Brantley pointed out in the New York Times. And the fact that it never caught on with audiences doesn't really surprise me. I can imagine tourists using this show as a backup when the more popular shows were sold out. But beyond that, I don't see why anyone would bother to track down Cyrano the Musical when they could see Phantom or Les Miserables. But we should have recorded a cast album. It doesn't matter if a show runs for a day or a decade. We need to get the history on the record, okay? No exceptions. Now, in 1994, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Passion, and the additional nominees from that season were A Grand Night for Singing and Beauty and the Beast. These, oh, okay, I should say this is the first nominee from this season that we have covered. That's always exciting to address a new set of nominees for the first time, and the question is, did Cyrano the Musical deserve to win out over passion in terms of the Tony Award for Best Musical? Well, of course, that's a question I cannot answer in good faith because I don't have access to the full score, and passion is an excellent show filled with heart and, ooh, Sturm and Drang! Talk about the definition of Sturm and Drang. Oh, look no further than passion. A grand night for singing Get out of here. No, no, no. Reviews? No. I don't I don't have a lot of patience for reviews. No, thank you. Beauty and the Beast, I love you. I, I do. I love you. But no, no, no. You're not going to win out over passion either. I'm just declaring it right now. Passion is never going to go anywhere. It's never going to go anywhere. It's going to retain that medallion. So don't worry, Sondheim fans. Ya maniacs. You can rest easy, sleep easy. I'm sure that you have already predicted this, but when it comes to ranking this week's subject against all of the other musicals that we have talked about here on the podcast, I am afraid I have to relegate it to what is known as the Phantom Zone. Now, maybe you're listening to this show for the very first time. Maybe you don't know what the Phantom Zone is. Well, normally we rank all of the shows against each other. You can access the full ranking by going to twitter.com slash musicalmanpod. There is a link tree, and from that link tree, you can access our spreadsheet. And that is where our ranking is located. The second tab will give you all of the ranking info you could ever want. Oh, all the info your greedy, greasy heart could desire. But there is a section of the ranking known as the Phantom Zone. There are some shows that simply don't have enough to go on. We don't have enough to go on. There is no cast album. There is no video recording. And so it wouldn't be fair for us to judge those shows against all of the other shows we've discussed, right? That would not be fair. And so they must. I, I, I'm, I'm very sad when we have to put a new show into the Phantom Zone, but it has to happen. Here are the other shows that we put into the Phantom Zone. Big Deal, James Joyce's The Dead, Quilters, 
Merlin, after midnight, and ain't supposed to die a natural death. And so, Cyrano the Musical, you will be joining their ranks, and that's all I have to say. I'm sorry, Cyrano. I'm sorry. Please don't be offended. Please don't run me through with a sword. My God, I know I know how easily offended you are, but please, leave me be. When it comes to show-related ephemera, I want to circle back to that TV special I was discussing earlier in this episode, the one hosted by Pat Collins and Christopher Reeve, I have put together a montage, an audio montage, of all of their awkward banter. Keep in mind, this program was recorded live on opening night of Cyrano on Broadway. These two, these two schmucks, Pat Collins oh, and Christopher Reeve, they were there for, I have to assume, eight to ten hours. They were there for the entire experience, and they get punchy, punchy. They get loopy, and I'm pretty sure that they are fucking throwing back more than a few drinks. Can we please get this montage that took, it didn't take a really long time to put together, but oh my gosh, I think it was well worth it. Here is all of the banter between Pat Collins and Christopher Reeve. musical with your hosts Pat Collins and Christopher Reeve. It's opening night for Cyrano the Musical. Variety says it costs somewhere, Christopher, between 7 and $10 million, but that price tag is not what makes it unique. Well, who's counting anyway? <laughs> now, we're used to seeing a lot of British imports over here on Broadway, but this is the first musical to come to us from Holland. It played to packed houses for 10 months in Amsterdam. But that means it is the, the first, first time ever of a Dutch musical on Broadway. Go right we're, to the Guinness Book of Dutch. World Records. <laughs> that meant a lot of international celebrities that Christopher and I saw in the crowd, but a lot of our friends, a lot of homegrown stars are here as well. Can you imagine what it must be like to sing through that nose? I, I, I can't imagine, uh -huh. but when we see Bill Van Dyke later, we'll <laughs> ask him. Well, coming up next, the unbilled star of the show, The Nose. The Nose. With the famous nose cam, I think. Chris, if you did one of those word association games and you say Cyrano, the first word is everybody's nose. You know, what's amazing to me is that, that this could cause so much problem with self-esteem, but then there's some people who won't go out of the house when they got a pimple that's up too big, so it's all a state of mind. Okay, real quick. Uh, give me some synonyms for nose. Uh, hooter, uh, honker, schnoz, beak. Very uh, good. And, and here's more, <laughs> and here's more. Yeah, you were on a roll there. That was good. Bill Van Dyke, who plays Cyrano, is filling some pretty big shoes. Indeed. I mean, Charles Lawton played Cyrano. Christopher Plummer. Uh, Derek Jacobi got a Tony Award on Broadway not too long ago. And Jose Frog mm -hmm. got an Oscar, what, 1950 right. for playing Cyrano? Right, and Depardieu did it just a year or so yeah, ago in a wonderful movie. Yeah, the most definitive screen version right. of Cyrano. And tonight, it's Bill Van Dyke's turn to play Cyrano. The thing we have to remember is that Bill Van Dyke played this part in Amsterdam in Dutch for 10 months, <laughs> and now has had to learn an entirely new production in English with a completely different lyrics. And a whole new cast. Right. And, and of course, we're seeing him for the first time, but he's very well known in his own country. Right. Christopher, he's done like Miz and Evita and Gypsy, but let's face it, if he is a star as mm -hmm. a result of tonight, it's a whole new life for Bill Van Dyke. And, and all over the world, they still consider that Broadway, this is the place, this, this is the definition of whether you made it or not. Yeah, if you can and make, make it, it there. Yeah, yes, when we right. come back, we'll meet the American co-stars of Cyrano. And we'll be right back. We'll continue. Yes, yeah, so if you want the we'll guy with the on. hot dog. This is a hot dog guy. There'll be more. Yes, this is a 
Christopher Reeve and I are here on West 52nd Street. Freezing to death. Freezing to death. Behind us, the lucky people who are inside, right. Neil Simon Theater. They wouldn't let us in. Yeah, we didn't have any tickets, what can I tell you? And, uh, maybe we can crash the party. Uh, maybe. Well, with Over you, you're a big star. We can get in anywhere. Rose Land is right here. We'll be coming back for the cast party later mm -hmm. on in the in the show. Now, uh, some of the actors in the, in the musical do both TV or film work and also yes. stage. And but, A lot of people want to know, so what's the difference between film and stage acting? I mean, I don't know. So what's the difference? So what's the difference? Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. So what's I, like, I would know. Right. Uh, I, know. I guess you could say, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about doing a play is every night, you know, the repeating, going deeper into the part, learning more, going more with your voice, going more with everything. And movies are like the best lucky magic spontaneous moments that they could capture on film. That's when they say print it. That's right. Yeah. So in a film, in a way, you're trying not to repeat yourself. Right. In the theater, you are. You're trying to go deeper through repetition. And here they have a cast member, uh, Paul Anthony Stewart. Right. And he plays Chris John. And he has a double life. During the day, he's on Loving, right. the ABC daytime drama. And at night, he's doing this. So let's, let's take a look about what his life looks like. The idea here is to create 17th century Paris in 1993. And I know for a fact, $100,000 alone was spent in wigs. That's a lot of money in wigs. And there's uh, 350 costumes, there's 250 pairs of shoes, and there's 200 shirts for Christian alone because he has to die every night in a clean shirt. Oh, don't want That's to be, important. You, know, you have to die in a clean shirt. It really is. It, I think we both yeah. see it. It really is Very a visual lavish. feast. A Very visual lavish. feast. The intermission curtain about ready to come down, and Christopher and I are going to go in talk to some of our friends in yours, Felicia Rashad mm -hmm. in there, new uh, mayor to be, Rudy Giuliani. What's yeah. nice is a lot of people who are in Broadway shows today already did a matinee, already did a show, and are here tonight to support their friends in the community. <laughs> and now, as part of the opening night celebration, we're having a carpet <laughs> sale special right here on 52nd Street. The red one is on offer. Unroll it, guys. And let's yeah, see. Yeah, that'll do my haul nicely. Number in Jersey to call for the rolling of the red carpet, and there it goes across West 52nd Street, Christopher, in What are we bid for this uh, lovely carpet? And remember, this has the added bonus of having been stepped on by A Christopher. The price just went up, ladies, and Christopher Reeve has stepped across that carpet. You call that number. I'll what is that 800 number, Chris? You tell the folks. And install it in your home, free of charge. <laughs> and we'll be right back we'll after this. We'll be right back. This. I have to stay with us. Yes. You know, this is pretty heavy, as a matter of fact. This is a real thing. Sure. Yeah, oh, it's heavier than I thought it would be. Yeah, you can actually go kill people with that. Oh, well, but no, maybe so I could the, carry this around with me. It's a for the purposes protective of the, weapon. For the your... purposes of the play, the, uh, yes. the edges aren't sharp, but you notice right. that there's no um, protective uh, tip on the end. So you could really do some damage. So in a couple minutes, you're going to go backstage I'm and talk to, be, to the cast? I'm going to be backstage talking to the cast, and I never know whether they really want us to be here. Yeah. <laughs> really want to know it all to, depends on how it went. <laughs> Well, they've exhausted themselves. It's sort of that, you know, Joe Montana's yeah. just won the Super Bowl and you stick the microphone where you go. If it, went, if it went great, they want to give you a hug. If it didn't, they want to just put their head down and disappear. Yes, yeah, so mm. if I come back looking a little more battered than I am, you'll know that right. the cast isn't in a good mood. But I think mm. things are going great for them over there at the Neil Simon Theater, so. In the meantime, we could meet the composers. We could meet the, we could do that. Both sure. named Van Dyke, but no relationship to each other whatsoever. Or to Dick Van Dyke. Or to Dick Van Dyke or Jerry Van Dyke. Um, the composer and lyricist of Cyrano the Musical, and the music, of course, is what makes this production different from all the others. Let's meet them. Well, as Garth and Wayne would say, it's party on, dude, here at Roseland. Save me a dance, honey. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Christopher Reeve and I, right after this message. 
Thank you so much, Benny. Now, there is a moment that I could not track down. I don't know which of the 19 parts this was located within, but there is a moment where Christopher Reeve and Pat Collins commiserate over the idea that they are not going to be fed as part of the cast party. I don't know if they're joking. I hope that they're joking. But the fact that they even think to say this like, oh yeah, we're not getting fed. No way. We have already been told explicitly that we are not going to be fed as part of this party. We are here, but we are not officially... We, we never received official invitations, and so we will not be getting a meal. They're laughing, but it seems like there is some strain and tension there. I feel... So flabbergasted by the fact that Christopher Reeve agreed to do this in 1993. What was going on? Christopher, my God. It's just, it's so, it's so disheartening to see him in this position. You were, you are a movie star. You're hosting this, this special like you're a schmuck. Oh my God, I felt so bad for him. There is a moment also that I would like to highlight from that montage you just heard where Christopher Reeve just says, hot dog. I love the way he says it. Hot dog. That's it. I just want to focus on that. Now, we are going to remain, we're going to remain focused on this special because now I would like to play for you the interviews that are conducted by Pat Collins and Christopher Reeve. Here are the people that you're going to hear from in order. In this montage, we begin with an interview with Robert Klein, who was a Tony nominee for the production. They're playing our song. I believe that is a musical we will be covering here on the podcast at some point. Robert Klein is followed by Catherine Helmet, who a lot of sitcom fans would know as a star of Who's the Boss, but at the time she was interviewed in this moment, she was starring on Broadway in Mixed Emotions. It's true. Catherine Helmet is followed by Hal Linden of the Rothschilds, who at that time was starring on Broadway in The Sisters Rosenwig. And then we are going to end this montage with an interview with NYC Mayor-Elect Rudy Giuliani. That's true. He was the mayor-elect at that time. Oh my gosh, Benny, let's play this montage now. Are you having a good time, Robert I Klein? I am. It's very exciting. This is, uh, there's many old-fashioned traditional qualities about this show. Unabashedly romantic, big, big production numbers, tremendous costumes, and it's sort of an operetta. As I noticed, there's no dialogue to speak no, up. It's not, basically yeah. all sung. We're talking with Catherine Hellman, who's currently on uh, Broadway and Mixed Emotions. Yes, indeed. How's it going for you? Very well. We just finished our matinee this afternoon, mm-hmm. got ourselves all dressed up, and ran over here for this special opening night. It's wonderful. It's just marvelous. This happens to be one of my favorite stories in all the world, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful to see the costumes and the sets, and uh, and it's lovely to see people singing and fencing and, and acting and dancing. It's really beautiful. You this is the kind of story that lends itself to music very well, doesn't it? Oh, I think so, yes, because it has such a majestic sweep to it. And it has uh, so much opportunity to bring color and costume and flair into the theater, you know. My old buddy, Hal Linden, oh, who's... drinking uh, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you're getting... I've had apple cider all night. That uh, shows you uh, what working. we did with, the, with the, the stars of this show. Of course, Hal is... Like, uh, how many blocks are you from here in the Sisters Rosenzweig? I, I, we came down at 6 o'clock, and I got out of my makeup and ran to meet Franny and uh, pick up the tickets and run and see the show. And what did we think? I thought I loved it. I'll tell you the truth. And I'm I'm not a great audience. I'm uh, pretty uh, sticky when I'm very critical. But I I thought, for instance, I thought uh, the music was far more interesting than uh, what we've come to expect for that kind of show. I, I... 
I liked it better than Les Mis in terms of the, the music. Right. Uh, and they certainly are going for, I think, the Les Mis audience. Yes, it's, a, like it, the, yes it's very much in that, the sing that genre. The sing-through musical, yeah. Uh, the music was was wonderful. I don't know I don't know who wrote it. I don't know the man. They're both named Van Dyke. Van Dyke. Everybody's trouble on Van this Dyke. show, just say Van Dyke. If It'll you've ever been to Holland, answer. just say Van Dyke. Everybody's <laughs> named Van Dyke. Uh, the performances were wonderful, and uh, how can you beat that story? I still cried. Every time I see that last scene, I cry. Mr. Mayor-elect, if I, if I could ask you, um, what, what does this mean to you, you know, coming into office, and as obviously you're a, an avid theater-goer, but uh, uh, what's it, what's, how do you feel seeing a show like this in, in New York? Well, it's terrific. It's terrific that it is in New York, and it, uh, it should be a great success. It should mean an awful lot of people come here. It should mean some more jobs in New York also, which, uh, which, we, which we need. Another thing I've been hearing is that the, uh, the Dutch producers are getting very high marks from the American uh, unions. The stagehands, the carpenters, the electricians are saying, hey, they gave us t-shirts. They invited us to the party. They made us feel like we're doing something important here, and I think that's nice when you get labor behind you. Well, it's, yeah, it's great to see the Dutch coming here also and uh, using New York. Uh, actually, I think they skipped London and came right to New York to do it, so that's really terrific. Yeah, we're used to seeing the British imports come over here. This is the first Dutch musical ever, but I also think it goes to prove that the real test of a musical, uh, the, the nirvana really for composers and uh, and writers and stuff is still Broadway, and I think we're lucky about that. Well, there's a really very complete production. It has great music, great acting, great singing. Uh, it's really terrific. And the production itself, just physically, is uh, wonderful to behold. Had you seen a Cyrano before? Uh, well, not for a long time. I had never seen a musical Cyrano before. <laughs> no, it's funny. Sometimes a play we all have to read in high school or whatever. And, uh, and you, know, you know, this is to, me, to see it come alive in a contemporary idiom is great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy yourselves at the party, okay? Okay, back to Pat. To determine which show we discuss next, fuck Giuliani, by the way, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel otherwise known as the Random Number Generator, I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Sing Macho. Everyone ready? Then away we go. Uh-huh. All right. Well, this episode, I can tell you this much. This episode is going to drop on Wednesday, December 29th. The subject of that episode is a 2017 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. And as of December 5th, 2021, it has logged 1,339 performances on Broadway. Do you know what it is? I think you know what it is. It's Come From Away. Come From Away is the next subject of the main feed. And again, that episode will drop December <coughs> <laughs> oh, spicy. Now, normally we normally we throw that in. Oh, no. Benny, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to include this as part of the main edit. We can't throw that in at the end. No, I'm not doing a second take. I'm not. It's dropping the 29th. I burped. That's what happens. I'm the musical man. I'm a human being. What do you offer me? Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Okra Project, a wonderful organization that we are so honored to support month in and month out. Now, you can donate one, three, five, or $10 a month. If you donate $1 a month, you will get Monday early access to all of these main feed episodes. Everyone else will have to wait until Wednesday, 
but you'll get them Monday. You'll also get a verbal shout-out each and every week. Thank you so much for donating at least $1 a month. Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marcus, Rob, Shauna, Shianti, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. You also get access to 17, that's right, count them, 17 bonus episodes regarding the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, a trailer review for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, a full review of the motion picture Cats, Emma, the stage musical, Emma, Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, Hamilton via Disney+, Plus. Documentary Now, Original Cast Album, Co-op, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, Arlo the Alligator Boy, a trailer review for Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Go see that now. I hear it's fantastic. It's out now. Vivo, the Tony Awards present Broadway's Back, Diana, and our most recent bonus episode of number 17, which is all about Annie Live. You also get season one, 12 episodes of Radio Boy, a special series for which I check in with myself via the songs, the non-musical theater songs, I should say, that make me feel more like myself. And you also get the first 12 episodes of M3, the movie musical man, a special series for which we watch and discuss trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. That series is returning in 2022. Keep your ears open, people. $3 a month will get you everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing, all 10 episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, and a special one-off episode all about season one of Julie and the Phantoms. $5 a month will get you everything I've already described, plus you will get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss on the podcast. You get seasons one and two, that's 24 episodes of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. You get access to our Broadway in Chicago review series, the next installment of which will drop December 22nd. That's going to be all about Pretty Woman the Musical. And finally, you get volumes one, two, three, and four of Shout About It. Those are collections, compendiums of five, six, seven, eight coffee ads and musical shoutouts from the first 100 episodes of the podcast. And last but certainly not least, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed, season one, 12 episodes of The Snub Club, a series dedicated to Broadway musicals that were not nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and you also get Turn It Off, a series dedicated to off-Broadway musicals that is returning in February of 2022. The first six episodes are all about Emoji Land, Soft Power, The Fantastics, We Are the Tigers, Bat Boy, and A Strange Loop. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Pod Chaser, please take a moment to write a five-star review. We want 65 star reviews. We have a total of 52 at this time. Once we reach our goal of 65 star reviews, we will produce a special episode all about Disney's Zombies franchise. Yes, it's true. If you're streaming the show, that could be through Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. I love to get emails. Thanks as always to Patty and Benny. I know Patty is not with us today, but Patty, we miss you. We love you. Benny, thank you again for putting up with me. I am so paunchy today. Thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and thank you to Zach Little for our fabulous intro and outro music. Ah, well, you know what that sound means? Yes, you do. Ah, Joe.
Just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off Wiedersehen, and good night. Enjoy the party now. Oh, it's wait, been oh, wonderful. We have to say goodnight, but we well, dance. You and I are going to dance. Oh, how nice. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye. Bye.